Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Wednesday nights, we study faith. We want to have a faith clinic going so that we can be well-versed in faith, well-taught in faith, and learn how to accurately appropriate our faith so that we can benefit from the gospel of our Lord and the covenant that we have with our God. In the book of Romans chapter 1, first of all, let's pray. Father, we give thanks to you for the privilege of studying your word together. We study it in the name of Jesus. We invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide to instruct us in the way of righteousness and truth and to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness. I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us and keep us free. For all achieved among us will give you the glory and honor that you're deserving of. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, Paul here is quoting the prophet Habakkuk, and in chapter 2 and verse 4, he said the same thing, that the just are those that are justified are to live by faith. Paul here is picking up on that and saying that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. And in the gospel, we have a revelation of that righteousness. And as we learn truths and principles from the Word of God, line upon line and precept upon precept, then we are going to go from faith to faith. And we are going to live the life of faith. Well, as believers, that is, those that are justified by faith and through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are to learn to live by faith. Faith is to be the lifestyle of the believer. And, beloved, it involves a whole lot more than what people seem to think. Living by faith is something more than just saying, I have faith in God. And I know that God exists, and I know that He's up there, and I know that He's there to help. We need to know what the Word of God says about Him. We need to understand the covenant relationship we have with Him. We need to learn the promises of that covenant, the benefits of that covenant, and the statements of fact made in the covenant because those things were negotiated by Jesus for us and those things belong to us but those things are not automatically appropriated to our lives we have got to learn how to receive from God by faith and learn how to activate the power of God through faith and therefore we must learn to live the life of faith Faith is a lifestyle. It's the way believers are to live. Another verse that will also reinforce that thought is found in the book of Galatians in chapter 3. In the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11, Paul, of course, was stating a case. The Judaizers came along to undermine his teachings on faith. And they were going about teaching that even Gentiles, when they came in, had to get under the law and begin to appropriate the law. But Paul began to teach, no, that's not true, and so on and so forth. And he says in verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. And so he corrects their theology, he corrects their thinking, and he tells the people that once again, now notice the latter part of the verse, the just shall live by faith. And we've been talking about the importance of faith. How important it is for us to learn about faith. 
In Christ Jesus, we are told in Galatians 5, 6, that the most important thing is not whether or not we've been circumcised or uncircumcised, but faith working by love. That is the most important thing in Christ, is faith working by love or faith being energized by love. If that's most important, then it would behoove all of us to find out a whole lot more about this thing called faith, would it not? Absolutely, because without faith we can't please God. And so if we want to be pleasing to God, we've got to learn about faith and how to appropriate it, how to walk in it. And if you'll do yourself a study, you'll find out in the Bible we have a revelation of degrees of faith. One can have more or less faith. One can be more or less developed in faith. One can have no faith. How is it that you have no faith? O ye of little faith. O woman, great is thy faith. I like that category. What about you? Amen. And so we can understand that there are different degrees and levels of faith. Right here, Paul the Apostle once again reinforces that the just are to live by faith. And then go over to the book of Hebrews. The writer here to the Hebrews, the Hebrew Christians that were turning their backs on the things of God and going back into Judaism were instructed in a letter that they were not to turn away from faith. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And notice verse 38. Once again, we have that same statement given to us the just shall live by faith. Look at verse 38. Now, the just shall live by faith. Wouldn't you say they're trying to make a point? Wouldn't you say they're trying to get a message over to us? I mean, this is four times mentioned now that the just are to live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. What does he mean, draw back? Draw back from the life of faith. One can begin in faith. And did you ever read there in the New Testament where it says they made shipwreck of their faith? One can have shipwreck faith. I don't want shipwreck faith, do you? They can turn back. And that means they can withdraw from the life of faith. And you know, they can go back into the life of what? Religion. That's what these were beginning to do. They were drawing back or withdrawing from living by faith going back under the law. And Paul says that if any man withdraw or turn back from faith, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The just are to live by faith. They're not to go back to religion. And they're not to go back to works. They're not to go back even to living by the dictates of the senses. And beloved, as Christians, you know that's a very easy thing for us to do. To go back and be dominated by our senses and not dominated by the Word of God. I'll show you that. Look at 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. In the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Faith is a lifestyle. It is to be the lifestyle of the believer. Believers begin in faith and believers mature in faith. Our life is a lifestyle of faith and we are to continue in faith unto the end. Paul said he finished his course of faith. He fought a good fight. Oh, that fight, beloved, is a tremendous fight. It's a warfare that we war with throughout our days on this earth. Our minds want to tell us one thing. Our emotions want to tell us another thing. Our feelings want to tell us something different. But the Bible says that we are to live by faith and here in this verse, 2 Corinthians in 5 and verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not sight. We walk by faith. Believers walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by what we believe in our heart, not by what we see, feel, with our eyes or our feelings. We don't allow feelings and we don't allow our senses to dominate our lives. 
it is very easy for us to fall back into this trap, allowing our natural feelings and emotions and allowing circumstances around us to dictate to our lives and to dominate our lives. But once again, the Apostle reminds us, we don't live by feelings. We don't walk by our feelings and emotions. We don't allow our sensory perceptions to dominate or dictate to our lives. We believe in something more powerful than our own sense knowledge evidences. We believe that without seeing, there exists the power of the living God. And even though my senses tell me it is impossible, my heart tells me all things are possible with God and all things are possible to him that believeth. And we shift gears and we leave the sense realm to a higher realm, a higher plane, if you will. We allow our sixth sense, that is the sense of faith, on the inside of us to dictate or dominate our lives. We refuse to give in to the senses. We choose to live by faith in the heart. So we're not to draw back from what we believe in God. We're to live by faith and not walk by sight. I guess you could say it like this. Faith is not having a genie in a bottle, like so many think. It's not having a Aladdin's lamp that you just rub and poof, something comes out to grant your wishes. It's not having a magic wand that you just wave around and all of a sudden, something spectacular takes place. Faith is a disciplined lifestyle that the believer chooses to live. He does so by finding out what the Word of God says about his life and then chooses to allow that truth to dominate his life. That's what the life of faith is all about. Now, I want to show you something here. Look at 1 Peter in chapter 1, if you would, please. And I want you to notice, beginning at verse 7, what Peter says in his epistle to believers. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Our faith is going to be tried. There is no doubt about that. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said to Peter, Peter... Satan is coming to sift you like wheat to determine whether or not your faith is genuine. He is going to put you through that sifter and try to find out what you really believe from the heart or what you just mentally assent to. And so your faith is going to be tried like as a fire. And this faith that we have although tried by fire, is to bring praise, honor, and glory to God when we refuse to withdraw from what we believe. Next verse. Whom having not seen, this faith is not based on our five senses. It is not based on the sense of sight. It's not based on what we feel, touch, It is based on what we believe. And although we have never seen Jesus, that is, when He appeared and walked upon the earth, we still believe and we still love Him. Whom having not seen, you love. You love someone that you don't see. You so strongly believe that He is, that He exists, that you love Him having never seen Him. Isn't that true? That's an absolute fact. Well, how can you love someone that you don't see? How do you know that He exists? You believe. 
You believe no matter what. Try to tell someone who is a, a non-believer, maybe even an atheist, that you believe in someone you cannot see or feel. Try to convince that person in his reality. It's not an easy thing to do. Show me him and I'll believe. See, they have to have their five senses satisfied before they will believe. Doubting Thomas, what did he say? Man, I don't believe any of you. I know we've walked together and we've seen great miracles, but I saw him die on that cross. You can't tell me he is alive and you've seen him. I have got to see him with my eyes. I have got to thrust my hands into his, the prince in his hands, into his side, and then I will believe. When my five senses are satisfied, then I will believe. And Jesus appeared to Thomas and said, Look, blessed are they who without seeing still believe. Beloved, there is that possibility that every single one of us can believe in things not seen. We can believe in their reality to such a degree that we can make those things a reality in this realm of life. That's what faith is all about. It's the substance of things not seen. He goes on and he says, Whom having not seen you love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing. But I don't see it, someone says. But I believe it, you say. But I don't see it, someone says. But I believe it, you say. Man, I don't understand where you're coming from. I know you don't. You've got to believe it. You want to see it to believe it. I believe it to see it. Jesus said, believing it, you'll see it. But you want it backwards. You want to see it to believe it. Man, we don't see, but we believe. And then, we so believe it, we rejoice with joy unspeakable. Someone says, how will I know that I'm in faith? You will rejoice with a joy unspeakable, full of glory. When you enter into the realm of faith, you know you have something in God, from God. Beloved, your heart will rejoice as if it was in your hand now. Can you see that? That's what faith is all about. I rejoice. I have something I don't see. I'm not trying to get it. I have something I don't see right now. And I believe it. And you'll know that in your heart to such a degree that without seeing, you'll believe and rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is called receiving the end of your faith. Look at verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Well, beloved, this is the lifestyle of faith. We begin by believing in someone that we did not see. That started or began our life of faith. We continue doing the same thing. And it's not just believing in the person of Jesus, it's believing those things spoken by Jesus too. Our next point. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Romans in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Paul, of course, is writing to the church at Rome. He is explaining righteousness which comes by faith in Jesus Christ. He explains all these truths to them, and then also he gives them a revelation of being justified by faith and living by faith. He uses Abraham as an example of a person of faith. And he describes what faith is all about. In chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, he gives us a tremendous revelation. He begins by saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do something with your body, in other words. Secondly, 
And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do something with your mind, in other words. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you. Notice he's writing to believers. And he's telling believers there at the church at Rome not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That has something to do with the renewing of the mind, doesn't it? It's the way you think about yourself. But to think soberly. Notice. According as God hath dealt to every man that is every man among you, that is to all the believers, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Our next point is, see, faith is to be the lifestyle of the believer, and every believer has faith. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, if I just had faith, well, every believer does have faith. Every born-again, blood-washed child of God has faith. And right here he says that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Hold your place there because we're going to go right back to it. But I want you to see something here that Paul said in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 along that same line. Every believer has the measure of faith. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 13, the same writer, Paul the Apostle, says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. In that verse we have a revelation that faith is a spirit. We have the same spirit of faith. We all have the same spirit of faith. Why? Because God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we all have a measure or the measure of faith. The word dealt, going back to the book of Romans, and in verse 3 of chapter 12, the word dealt there means to a lot. It means a portion. And it means also to make a proportionate division or distribution. God has dealt to every man a portion. He has divided equally to all men. Now notice the next word, the measure. A measure is an amount of something. Is it not? If I told you to put in a tablespoon of salt, a teaspoon of this, a handful of pepper, that is a measure of something. A glass of water, a cup of milk, a gallon of whatever, that is a unit or a measure of something. God has dealt to every man, God has proportioned to every man the measure of faith. That is a unit. That is an amount of faith. So God has equally divided to all believers the portion of faith. And every child of God has faith. I am to remind myself constantly that I have faith. Would you say that with me? I have faith. I have the measure of faith. And God wants us to realize that. And He wants all of us to recognize the fact that when one is saved, we all have the same portion of faith. It's saving faith. Every single one of us who is saved has saving faith. That's how we got saved. Well, how did we get that saving faith? How did God deal that to us? How did God divide that up? Go on back to the book of Romans chapter 10. You're in 12, look at chapter 10. Paul once again, and let me remind you that the Apostle Paul was not given this revelation by man, 
The Lord Jesus Christ Himself gave this revelation to the Apostle Paul. And you can find that in the book of Galatians in chapter 1. Jesus appeared to Paul and taught him everything he knew about the gospel. And here we have a revelation that the Word of God is also called the Word of Faith. Look at verse 8, chapter 10 and verse 8. But what saith it? The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the Word of faith which we preach. The Word of God is called the Word of faith. It's the Word of faith. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they, ha they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh. How does faith come? How does one receive faith? Where does faith come from? Well, it says right here, faith cometh. A, a more literal rendering of that word cometh is accompanies. Faith accompanies hearing. Faith comes along with hearing, in other words. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How does one get faith to be saved? One hears the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how does faith come to my life? Faith comes by hearing. As I hear the gospel message, faith accompanies what I hear. Now, I want you to see another scripture because I believe in this scripture. Look at 2 Thessalonians, if you would, please. We have a revelation that not all men have faith. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 3. Well, if God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, but not all men have faith, does the Bible contradict itself? And, of course, the answer is no. The Bible does not contradict itself. But the Bible is talking about those that are saved and those that are unsaved. And those that are unsaved, not all of those men have faith. Look at chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians. Verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it was, as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. All men have not faith. He is talking about the ungodly. He is talking about those that are out of fellowship with God. Now, those that are out of fellowship with God are those that are ungodly, those that do not know God, have no relationship with God. If they hear the Word of God, faith comes to them. Faith accompanies hearing the Word of God. And when they hear the Word of God, faith comes to them. And acting on that faith, they can be saved. That's how faith comes to any individual. But to see, beloved, faith involves a whole lot more than just being saved from sin. The average Christian today just is satisfied that they are saved from sin and they don't realize that they can still have their faith to increase in their lives. Faith doesn't have to be limited to just being saved from sin. 
I mean, I thank God that I am born again. I thank God I'm washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank God that I'm on my way to heaven. But I believe the new covenant provides a whole lot more than that. That while we are here in this life, we still have many benefits and promises provided for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that we can receive a whole lot more in this life than most Christians are experiencing. But the main reason why many are not receiving from God that which is rightfully theirs is because, as James said, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. Faith is a major issue, beloved, to our lives. It's an absolutely major issue. And all believers need to be diligent about learning how to appropriate faith in God. And we must know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Or faith accompanies. I like to say it this way. I guarantee you, if you'll listen tonight with listening ears, your faith level will increase tonight as you hear some benefits of the gospel. And I guarantee you, if you'll hear it again tomorrow night, your faith level will still increase. You stop listening to what God's Word has to say, your faith level will diminish. How can that be? I thought faith was just something that you either have or you don't have. Wait a minute. What about energy? What about sustenance? When you eat, you have energy in your life, don't you? To do the work that is need, needed to be done. You don't eat for a couple of days, you get pretty weak. You don't feed on the Word of God, your faith gets weak. Oh, ye of little faith, your faith will diminish. If your faith can increase, it can also decrease. If a person is surrounded by doubt and unbelief, I guarantee you, beloved, that person's faith life is going to be affected. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact that people that are surrounded by doubt and unbelief are affected in such a way that it's more difficult for them to believe God for the things He has promised. When a person is surrounded by those that are full of doubt and unbelief, their doubt and unbelief will contaminate their lives. They'll begin to think like them. They'll begin to talk like them. They'll begin to believe like them. And then their faith that they once had that was so strong in the things of God will diminish and they'll be bound by doubt and unbelief. You can find it to be true. You take somebody out of a setting of faith and you put them in a setting where the people are embalmed with doubt and unbelief, it will not be very long before that person is brought down to their level. You know, the Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners. And did you know doubt is evil? It's true. It's called an evil report. But you take that same person and put them back with a group of people that believe God, those of light, precious faith, all of a sudden you'll find a spring in his step. All of a sudden you'll find a shout in his voice. Why? Because they're feeding on the Word of God again. They're hearing purely what God said about them, about their situation, and about their lives. Hey, you don't have to be defeated in this life. Hey, you're a world overcomer by your faith. Wait a minute. You're more than a conqueror through Him that loves you. What happens when I speak those words? Faith comes. Faith accompanies hearing. And hearing the Word of God. See, faith in God is faith in His Word. And when I hear His Word, I get faith. Now, I want to show you some things here in, in, in the Word of God that will verify that faith does come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to the book of Acts in chapter 11. You'll recall the incident where Cornelius was a very devout man. I mean, he was very devout and dedicated but yet, Cornelius was not saved. Do you remember that? He oftentimes would fast. He oftentimes would pray before the Lord. And on one occasion, he actually had a vision. And an angel came before him and shared with him certain things. And showed him that he was to send for Peter. 
told him where Peter was at, send, send some men over there to get a hold of Peter. And Peter would come down and share with him certain things from the Word of God. Do you remember that? Peter, of course, was uncertain as to what the vision meant. He was in a trance when he was at the hour of prayer one day. And once again, he was given direction to go and visit this man, Cornelius, go over to his house. And you know the story. The Lord laid down some sheets and that sort of sheet. And there were some animals. And God says, don't call unclean or unholy what I have sanctified. Remember the story? Talking about the Gentiles, how they would be accepted in the family of God, etc., etc. And so Peter goes over to Cornelius' house. Here is a devout man. Here is a man who loved God, who loves God. He gives alms, etc., etc., but the man is not saved. I want you to listen to what the Word of God says about how the man got saved. In Acts chapter 11, in verse 12, Peter rehearsing what had taken place when he was in that trance says, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. That was Cornelius' house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. How did Cornelius and his whole house get saved? By hearing words. He didn't have those words. But when Peter brought those words, faith came. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith for salvation comes by hearing the Word of God. Look at Acts chapter 14. So if one wants faith for salvation, one must hear the Word of God. And even though this man was a devout religious person, he was not saved. But when he heard the correct words, faith came, he and his house got saved. Acts chapter 14. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In Acts 14 and verse 8, how does one receive faith to be healed? In Acts 14 verse 8, well, let's back up to verse 7. And there they preached the gospel. There they preached the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. What did they preach? Yesterday's news. What did they preach? The traditions of men. What did they preach? Human philosophy. No. They preach the gospel. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. They preach the gospel and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard. How does faith come? By hearing. Hearing by the word of God. They heard the gospel being preached. Well, what is the gospel? Paul said, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for your sins and for your sicknesses and for your mental anguish. He bore the penalty of it all upon the cross. That is the gospel. That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered. He died. He rose again on the third day. He took His blood into the heavenly holies of holies. He sprinkled it upon the mercy seat and all the heavenly utensils of worship. The Father accepted His blood, ratified the new and everlasting covenant. And now man does not have to be spiritually bound any longer. He can be delivered and set free in His spirit, His soul, His body, His finances, in every area of His life. It's the year of Jubilee. It's the day that every man receives his possessions back to him again. And it doesn't matter what state you're in. It doesn't matter what your condition in. The blood of Jesus Christ is so far reaching and the power of God is so mighty that God will restore you in spirit, in soul, and in body. And this guy heard it. He heard it. He heard Paul preach the gospel. 
who Paul is, that is, steadfastly beholding him. You know, he was perceiving something in this man. He saw this man who had never walked getting a hold of what he was saying. You know, you can preach the same message to a room full of people and some will get it and some won't. That's the truth. See, the heart has to be open to it. If the heart's not open to it, then they won't hear it and they won't see it. But this man heard. I'm telling you, this man heard. And when he heard, faith came. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And Paul perceived. He steadfastly beheld the man and perceived that he had faith to be healed. Where did his faith come from? Hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And so what did Paul do? He said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Why didn't he ever do that before? Do you remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood? How she suffered many things of many physicians and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Who she came, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Remember that story? Why didn't she ever do that before? When she heard of Jesus, when does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing. Faith accompanies hearing. And when one hears, faith comes. And right now, faith is coming to your life. Faith is coming right at this very moment. When I tell you that God will supply all of your need, faith is coming to you right now. Because you're hearing the Word of God. You could have been sitting out there right now, and when you came in, concerned about your financial status. You can be concerned about the bills that you have to pay. You can be concerned about a lot of different things along this line, the financial realm. But I want you to know tonight that God said in His Word, He would provide all your need according unto His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That is what He said in His Word. And if you'll hear it, faith comes. Faith will come if you'll hear what God has to say. And there are those that have never heard that truth from the Word of God. And so they'll go about not realizing that God said that, and so they don't have faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Look at Acts chapter 19. How does one get faith to receive the Holy Ghost? Not every believer is spirit-filled. Isn't that true? Well, how does one get faith? To be Spirit-filled. And one can't be Spirit-filled without faith. Because we receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And it's by faith we receive the Spirit of God. He's already been given. But a person won't have faith to receive the Spirit if he's been taught that the Spirit with the evidence of tongues is not for them today. Isn't it amazing that those that believe that He's not for them today, that is, the Holy Spirit in tongues... They don't have it. And is it amazing that those say, it is for today, and I do believe in it, they have it. Isn't that kind of amazing? How'd they get it? Because faith came to them because they heard the right thing. You hear the wrong thing, you won't have the faith that you need. Your faith will be wrong. What you believe will be wrong. Look at these, these people right here. Here's an incident. Verse 19, chapter 19 rather, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, if I walked over to you and said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? What would your response be? Yes, you have. Why? How? When? Well, I heard that the Holy Ghost was for everybody. I believed it, I acted upon it, and I received. That's when you got Spirit-filled, right? Well, look at what these fellows said. I just love their answer. And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard. You see why they didn't have any faith? We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. That's pretty sad. Isn't it? 
Man, we've not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. See, they had faith in that. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on Him which should come after Him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, how'd faith come? When they heard. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Isn't it amazing when they heard the truth of the gospel, they got it. How did they get it? They heard. What happened when they heard? Faith accompanies hearing. They heard it, they had faith, and they received from God. Now, beloved, you can have faith to be saved. You can have faith to be healed. You can have faith to receive the Holy Ghost. You can have faith to have your financial needs met. Let's just look at that verse of Scripture in the book of Philippians in chapter 4 in verse 19. Philippians chapter 4. If someone never knew that God said this, they wouldn't have faith. That is the kind of faith that they need to receive from God. You know, the Bible says God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent. If He said it, He'll do it. If He spoke it, He'll make it good. Didn't God say that about it? Doesn't the Word of God say that in Numbers 23 and 19? It says that. If God said it, He will do it. If God spoke it, He will make it good. In other words, there will be a performance of the things that God said. And when I find out what God said... I have faith to believe that God will perform those things He said. That's how faith comes to me. If I didn't know that God said this, I would never have faith to believe it. But look at what it says right here. But my God shall supply half your need. Oh, but my God shall supply all your need according to where you work. According to E.F. Hutton. No, according to your financial planner. According to the economy of the day. According to whether or not U.S. Air makes it. According to whether or not the mill goes down. See, beloved, our faith is to be in God and His resources. And I read somewhere where He owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills. And all the silver and all the gold belong to Him. He knows where every nugget is. He knows how much is in the sea. Do you know He knows every penny? that's ever been lost by anyone, anywhere, at any time. And the Bible says, it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. That's what it says. That's what it says. Well, God owns it all. It's His riches and glory. He put the earth together. He knows where the resources are. Amen. And He says, I'm going to supply all your need according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And beloved, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And it's time we believe it, praise God. And stop walking around saying, because if you say it, you'll get it. I just can't seem to pay my bills. I can't seem to make ends meet. I can't seem to live from week to week and pay to pay. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't pay my bills. And as long as you keep saying it, you have faith in your lack. You have faith in your inability. You have faith in your limited resources. But if you'll stop what you're saying, stop what you're thinking, and stop what you're believing, and start saying, I found out something that God said. It's found right here in His Word. In Philippians 4.19, He says, I don't have to be concerned about the economy. I don't have to be concerned whether or not any company or corporation goes in or out of business. I know that no matter where I'm at, 
what I'm doing. If I love God and serve Him, He is promised in His Word, praise God, in Philippians 4.19, to supply all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And He is more than enough. Man, where would you get faith like that? It came by hearing. In hearing by the Word of God. Oh, that widow woman that the Lord's prophet said, go find yourself all the vessels that you can. Glory to God. There was no limit as far as God was concerned. Do you know where the limitation came? They ran out of vessels. But she wish she had a lot more neighbors, don't you? With a lot more vessels, don't you? But they ran out of vessels. Once you, she'd still be pouring today. How long ago was that? That's way back when. She'd still be pouring today. Can you imagine that? Glory to God. See what God did? Now I want you to see something else. Look at 2 Thessalonians. Do you know your faith can grow? Well, if it can grow, it can diminish. It can grow by leaps and bounds, or it can just remain as it is. If it's unused, it's not going to grow. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Wow. Your faith is being enlarged. Your faith is expanding. Your faith is increasing exceedingly. That's what that means. And the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounded. Their faith was increasing. It was enlarging. I don't want to limit God. You know how God is limited? Through little faith. God is unlimited when our faith increases. So, we need to remind ourselves that my faith can grow. And you know what? With the knowledge of the Word of God, my faith grows. If I have limited knowledge, I have limited faith. Because I haven't heard all of what God said. I want to show you something here. When I was off at school, look at uh, the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. And look at chapter 1 to show you. Faith comes when we hear what God's Word says. You can have faith to have your prayers answered because faith makes prayer work. Prayer does not make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, that's faith. You can ask in prayer doubting. Did you know that? He wants us to ask in faith, believing. Believing that God heard you and believing that you've received it. That's faith that makes prayer work. But you can have faith in other things. And I want to show this to you. Being a young Christian going off to Bible school, I wasn't really well versed in some of the things. I knew a lot of things from study, personal study. But when it came to the ministry of angels, I have to admit I was somewhat ignorant of what God's Word teaches. I knew they were there. You know, because I'm saved and I know I've got an angel. And I have angels that are there. But what was their purpose in my life? What were they doing? Until I found out what the Word of God says, I wasn't used to putting my angels to work for me. As a matter of fact, I didn't know this verse of Scripture. And that's why I was limited in my faith. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, In verse 13, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? You better get your marker out. For them. Everybody say, for them. For me. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them? 
who shall be heirs of salvation? Faith. To believe that your angels will work for you. Not two, but four. Angels are ministering spirits sent into the earth to minister for us. Did you know that? And see, I hadn't heard this a whole lot. Didn't hear much teaching along this line. And I was at school. And while I was at school, on one day, I walked out to go to school. Went to school. I'm sorry, I was getting in the car to go to school. And when I got to the door, I saw that my door was open. Partially open. And I looked and I thought, I know I closed that door. I must have forgot to lock the door. And lo and behold, I did. When I got inside, all my Christian tapes were gone. All my teaching tapes and a couple of music tapes, they were all gone. I had no tapes. I went to shut the door. I was going to walk back into the apartment. And I stopped on my way back. I got about halfway back down the sidewalk. And I stopped. And that verse of Scripture came to my remembrance. You know, the Spirit of God will bring things to your remembrance. Those things that Jesus has spoken or those things that we have studied in the Word will come up when we're in need. And I stopped right in my tracks. See, I was never taught this before, but now faith came. And I said, angels of God, the Word says you are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for me. Because I am an heir of salvation. Now I loose you on earth. What you loose on earth will be loose. What you bind will be bound. I loose you to minister for me an heir of salvation and bring back my tapes. I jumped in the car and went off to school. You know that night, that very night, without any effort on my part, I had a knock on the door. Someone knocked on the door, opened up the door, and had a stack full of tapes and said, Are these yours? I said, Well, let me look. And I looked. And they were all there. Every single tape was there intact. Said, well, here. I took them. I said, thank you. I said, thank God. I could, have, I could have just stood there and been defeated. And never gave my angels an opportunity to work for me. I think most angels are like this. Would you please? This is boring life. I am so bored. Would you please get your act together and let me do something? Why can't I be Joe's angel? My goodness, look at, look at, he's running back. Look at all this stuff he's doing. You know, remember those days when we took off those, the wheels from off the uh, Egyptians' chariots? I want to get doing stuff like that again. But here I stand because this person's not saying a word. Well, where did faith come from? I heard the Word of God said they're here to minister for me because I'm an heir of salvation. And so I commissioned them to go forth and do what the Word of God said to do. Now, here's another incident here. I was uh, off to a, a, do a Bible study. It was in the... Well, it was actually in the afternoon. And there was a storm that had moved in and it was snowing terribly. And so I figured the only way I can get over it into Youngstown would be... Well, first of all, I tried to go up Calcutta, Smithsbury Road. Heavens. What a mistake because it's straight up. Couldn't make it up that way. And so... From Midland, just continue to go on down into East Liverpool. I figured I'll take Route 11. It's the long way, but I'll take Route 11 and go all the way up there. When I hit that, it was snowing down. Some big flakes. Cars were everywhere all over the road. But before I left, I said, My angels are ministering for me because I'm an heir of salvation. And they will see me to the other side and they will see me back. And I just left it at that. I believe, God, they're ministering for me because that's who I am, an heir of salvation. I release my faith in God. That's what God's Word says. And so that's what I believe. And I took off. I went all the way into Youngstown. As we began to head up Route 11, I'm telling you, there were cars in the ditch on the side of the road everywhere. And I just kept the pedal to the metal. I mean, I just kept right on going up. And just, I, I must have been supernaturally pushed because all these other cars were everywhere. And we just went all around them and all the way up, you know, through, and all the way up. Went all the way into town. And finally got up there, did some things we had to do, taught a Bible study that night. I gave my word out that I would do it, taught the Bible study that night. When it was all over, turned around to come back home. On the way back home, driving down a highway, it's pitch black, it's almost midnight. We're driving down the same Route 11, four-lane highway. There's not a car to be seen. There's so much snow on the road, so many snowflakes so thick, you cannot even see but a few feet in front of your headlights. So I thought the only safe thing to do 
is to stay in the middle of the road and go straight down the highway. It's, you know, about 35, 40 mile an hour, whatever, real slow, and, and stay in the middle because I don't want to get off to where you're going to hit an exit, hit a pole or anything like that. You can't see very far in front of you. And so I'm driving down there reminding myself, these angels are ministering for me. They're the heirs of salvation, and I'm an heir of salvation. And I know they're there to see me safely home and all that. And so there I am getting between, right down to where you're about getting into Calcutta, going to get off the exit. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.